Greetings, beautiful people, and welcome back to the Revival's Holy Week devotional series. For today's reading and teaching, we will be in the book of John, chapter 12, verses 20 through 36. And as a reminder, this week's readings are from the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB translation. Receive the word of God on this day. Now, some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival. So they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and requested of him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. And Philip went and told Andrew, then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus replied to them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. The one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul is troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour? But that's why I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said it was thunder. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus responded, this voice came not for me, but for you. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. As for me, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. And he said this to indicate what kind of death he was about to die. Then the crowd replied to him, we have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? Jesus answered, the light will only be with you a little longer. Walk while you have the light so that darkness doesn't overtake you. The one who walks in darkness doesn't know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become children of light. Jesus said this, then went away and hid from them. As we continue journeying through Holy Week and John's Gospel, we are met with an encounter between Jesus and a group of Greeks who worship the God of Israel. We are encouraged by the ways Jesus continually expanded access to God and his teachings outside of just the Jewish community something that greatly incensed the Jewish religious leadership of the time. Throughout his inclusive ministry, Jesus exemplifies that the gospel is for all. And he shows here that preparing his followers for what is to come also extends to them as well. Jesus shares an analogy that will be familiar to the 
agrarian communities around him surrounding grains of wheat. Any wheat farmer would know that part of the process to grow new wheat plants includes a process of withering and dying. And as the wheat plant dies, the grain in the wheat plant itself ripens. And within the grain is the embryo, which is called a germ, which is protected and nurtured by the grain so that it is able to grow out of the soil, which it falls into a new wheat plant. As such, the process of dying actually produces rising and new life. Now, I am no expert farmer. I can't even keep my basil plant alive. But I am fascinated at Jesus's illustration and how he connects this to our own lives in Christ. He uses the language of love and hate in the scriptures, but I would replace these words with preserve and surrender. Whoever preserves her life will lose it, but whoever surrenders her life in this world will keep it for eternal life. To love God is not to preserve yourself for your own sake, only seeking your own comforts and desires, but to offer yourself back to God, to be used by God for God's plans and purposes. That is where you receive eternal life. That is where you can be most whole and fulfilled. That is where you are most aligned. Now, this is where it gets strange. It seems like Jesus breaks character and begins conversing with himself. Y'all know that be looking weird sometimes. Like sometimes I like sometimes talk to myself and people look at me weird. So I can imagine how the crowd was looking at Jesus. But he's actually not talking to himself. He's actually praying to God. It is a vulnerable act to do in front of his followers. And even when they witness it, they do not all hear God audibly. But they do see God manifested through thunder or angelic presence. Even more so, Jesus reveals, enmeshed in this humanity, some of his doubt and worry about what is to come. Yes, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. But it does not come without fear and doubt. We can be encouraged here, as in other places in Scripture, that we can bring our fears, doubts, and anxieties to God about where God is leading us and be received warmly by God. I want us to park here and talk a little bit about glory. Today's text speaks about the time having come for the Son of Man, or Jesus, to be glorified and for God's name to be glorified. Many of the ways we define glory or to glorify signal something grand, high renown or honor, magnificence or great beauty, praise, worship, and thanksgiving offered to a deity. When we say God is glorious or glory be to God, we are participating in exalting or raising God up to the highest standard. But my favorite definition of glory is to acknowledge and reveal the majesty and splendor of God by one's actions. So as we meditate on the meaning of glory and what it means to be glorified, we know that one's actions 
will lead us to seeing God's majesty and splendor in full view. And this is precisely what the Son of Man will do. So why is Jesus exhibiting fear and anxiety? So much so that his soul is troubled. It is because the path leading to the majesty and splendor will be marked with betrayal, corruption, brutality, and death. To fully understand how Jesus will be glorified in his resurrection, you have to grasp what he endured to get there. We will dive deeper into this layer into the week, but for now, we are most encouraged by God's response to Jesus' plea. I have glorified my name and I will glorify it again. God ensures Jesus that if you see this through, that I will be with you and my majesty and splendor will be revealed to the world. As Jesus comes back to the crowd, he offers that the encouragement from God was not for him, but for the multitude, which is powerful. We must be attuned to how God can use our experiences and doubts to then encourage others. And just as Jesus is encouraged in the midst of his soul's troubles, he can then see how his followers will experience the same troubles in their souls and deliver encouragement directly from God. From here, Jesus continues in the vein of preparation for his people as his time to leave this earth is swiftly approaching. He implores them to understand the need for the Son of Man to be glorified, to be lifted up, because all people will be drawn to him in the process. His majesty and splendor reveal will draw a multitude back to God. It will usher in freedom. The crowd must be comforted that the Messiah will truly remain forever, even if he is gone from this earth for just a little while. What is most important from Jesus here is to believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of the light. The light he is talking about is himself. He is saying to believe in me while I am here so that you may be eternally secured as my children. Because there will come a time where humanity will have to express faith in a Jesus they have never seen face to face to receive salvation and eternal freedom. The crowd must understand that having Jesus with them physically will not be their reality much longer. They must endure through persecution of both their Savior and themselves to keep this holy faith. Most importantly, it will be the resurrection and ascension of Jesus and their testimonies of the risen Savior that God will use to draw new generations back to God's kingdom. Jesus' diverse followers embodying a multitude of ethnicities and traditions are being prepared for what is to come. As we close today's devotional, we keep building on preparation for the glorification. And part of this preparation includes surrender. We must consider how much access we have given God to direct the course of our lives, trusting that God will provide what is needed for the journey. 
To surrender does not mean to not care for ourselves or protect ourselves for the sake of wellness. Too often the doctrine of self-denial in the church has taught us to be overly available to people in ways that do not center discernment and alignment. It also does not feed our joy. And God cares about joy as well. No, to surrender in the healthiest and holiest means is to come to God with arms outstretched and hands open, saying that I am open to the journey and process as God defines it. I embrace the freedom of choosing a new and different path from what I already know. I open myself up to new mindsets, behaviors, and approaches. I embrace a new life, and I release the old life to pass away. I cannot testify enough to how the process of surrender has bred new life, power, and clarity within me. Frankly, this podcast would not exist without it. If we are to trust that our divine creator knows what is best for us, we have to give God the chance to show us. And I know it can be incredibly difficult to relinquish control, but I challenge you to do so to the one who only has your best interest in mind. It's through this process of surrender that God can do the best work in preparing you for what is to come by giving you a testimony that will be the catalyst for others to experience God. Let us pray. Glorious and magnificent God, thank you for showing us what lies ahead when we surrender to you. We trust that you will receive the offering of our lives with care and that what you will produce will be nothing like what we could produce for ourselves. Embrace us as children of the light that will believe in you every step of the way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.